There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan today on this another glorious day today. But I do think that the weather is supposed to break at some stage over the weekend. So I suppose uh, get out there and enjoy it while you can, even for those people who think that it's too hot, as we discussed yesterday on the show. Now, did anybody yesterday evening see Charlene Masterson? Uh, you know, she was such a brave young woman. She waived her right to anonymity after her father, David Masterson, was jailed for 17 years for subjecting her to more than seven years of horrendous sexual abuse. The details of that case were just so awful. And she said that she wanted to speak out to let other victims know that they're not alone and to encourage others to seek help if they're in that situation. Well done to Charlene. Such a brave girl yesterday. Also, uh, the opening ceremony of the Olympics takes place in Japan this afternoon and here on the Opinion Line on 96FM we want to wish all the Cork athletes the very best of luck in the Games over the coming weeks. Now, a number of weeks ago here on the Opinion Line and in news we spoke to a number of parents whose children were in Skull Cara and uh, they had been there for their whole education and had presumed that they were going to be going on to the feeder school of Skull Trace but they discovered that um, they had no place in the school but one of those parents Ashling Hennebury is on the line now with, with an update in relation to that. Good morning Ashling. Good morning Fiona, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. You have had a bit of news Ashling. We have. Um, yesterday morning, I received a letter stating that Kayla had a place with the school in Carrigaline. Mm-hmm. And what so, did you? What was your reaction when you got that letter? Oh my God! It was like fear and worry when I got the post because I didn't know <laughs> what to expect, and it was like, can I go through all this again if she doesn't have a place? Mm. But it was nearly a moment of serenity, really. You know, disbelief. Oh my God, she got a place because of, I suppose, the journey that's been so far. I had no trust in the system, so I wasn't 100% sure if she even would have a place. So, mm. yeah, I'm still in a bit of shock, disbelief, but I'm delighted. I'm, we're really happy. 
you said to me a number of weeks ago when I met you that uh, you didn't mind what school Kayla went to as long as she got a school. So, you know, you must be delighted that she's after getting a place. Oh, yeah, I'm ecstatic. And that's so true. Like, I really didn't mind where she got. I would have travelled anywhere for her to have a placement just as long as it was suited to her needs. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people had said to me, can you not send her here? Can you not send her here? I was like, it doesn't suit her. They will not accept her. They will not put down her name. They will not take her name because she doesn't meet the criteria. So, yeah, I was just so happy. And, like, look, it's Carrig Line. It's not that far away from us. And mm. it's a school placement for the next five years for her, you know, so we're delighted. Have you told Kayla yet? No, I don't think Kayla would really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just hoping now, like, the next few weeks, they're going to probably send out more information. Like, at the moment, we've just received that she's got a place and to try, kind of fill in, I suppose, personal details, like medical history, her diagnosis, you know, things like that, that I suppose they'd need for their own information and we'll probably know more then maybe where they'll send maybe like usually when they go into school they'll send out pictures of the classrooms the teachers SNAs but I suppose they're still working on all of them at the moment so I haven't no I haven't said nothing to her just because I've mm-hmm. nothing really, she's very visual so I've nothing really to show her to say this is where you are going and Ashton how stressful have the last few weeks been for you? Oh, like every day, I'm like nearly stalking the postman's letters coming through mm-hmm. the door. It's that stressful, just waiting for that one letter. Like I was only saying to my husband last night, like I'm back from maternity leave next week and I spent my whole maternity leave like fighting for a school. It's just a horrible situation to have been in for any parent. Um, it's just sad, really, that any parent would have to fight for a placement for their child, something that they're legally entitled to. Um but look, the outcome, I suppose, has been worth it. And mm. I suppose all the stress and hard work has paid off, I suppose. For anybody who isn't familiar with the situation, your daughter Kayla was in um, Skullcarra up on the north side of the city. And I suppose you always thought that she would go on to Skulltraced. But then you and a number of other parents were informed that there wasn't any school place available this September. Yeah, we were. Like, we had just saw from the onset when they go into Cara, you send on your application form to Trieste. And, like, it's never been a situation where they overcapacitated. They took in way too many numbers for what the places that they had in Trieste and they took our application forms. And nothing was said to us until this year, which was very, very unfair because we didn't have a chance to even look for anywhere else. And, like, there was a lot of kids in the school as well. Like, their diagnosis changed. We shouldn't give them no opportunity to even look for a school. But even at that, every school was full. We had no chance, like, of ever getting anywhere else because, like, schools waiting us for four and five years. Like, us as parents had been down, like, since nearly day one, month or two into being in Cara, mm. down on the waiting list in the schools. Like, it's not like we just threw our name down a few weeks ago. We're all down years. And, like, we were never informed that there was never going to be no places from until we got the letter back. And you have been informed that um, there would be homeschooling. And, um, you know, for, for a child like Kayla, that just wasn't really going to be suitable, was it? No, definitely not. Like, Kayla, like, she strives in a structured environment. The school provides that environment for her. We don't have that environment at home. And, like, people have lives as well. They have families. Like, they have other kids. They're going out to work. Do you know, you're trying to work all that around a tutor and the tutor isn't provided for you. You find your own tutor. So, like, you're trying to find someone who's employed. 
or who's qualified in speech and language, occupational therapy, psychology, who's a teacher, who's had experience with special needs, who's had experience with behavioural issues. Do you know, you're asking a lot, like, and, like, I know it's 20 hours, which is similar enough to the school week, but it's all about structure and environment, and even the social aspect, like, no friends. She has no friends at home. So, like, the only place she does get to see anyone would be inside school. Do you know, and to take that away from any child without with autism or without autism would be very unfair. How has Kayla been progressing through the school? Have you seen uh, an improvement in her situation since uh, she went to school? Almost, definitely. Yeah, she's been great. Like, um, every morning she gets up, we get ready for school, she has her breakfast, she got the taxi to school every morning, she looked forward to seeing the taxi driver and the escort, and she would say it every morning. Like, she's come on so much in terms of, like, her speech and language. She had very little words going into the school. She has enough now for everyday life. Like, she can tell me what she wants for her lunch, her dinner. Um, she's a dinger on computers and iPads. They've done a lot of work in the school this year. Um, she'd write her news on the computer. Um, her writing has come along. Her reading, just everything. Like, she can actually, I can actually give her a book now. Um, a very simple, basic book, and she'd be able to read the words back to me. She loves spelling. If we're on the road now anywhere, she'd be calling out all the different signs, spell from I, spell up, then spell. Um, so, yeah, she really, compared to day one, mm. and she has very little speech. Um, she's brilliant. Like, she'll actually tolerate other people now and tolerate other kids, whereas before she would have been kind of very recluse in herself mm. and wouldn't have liked to be around other kids. So it was great to see, and like that was my biggest fear of all, that having all that and then having to take it away from her and say, sit at home at your kitchen table and do all this now. And I suppose she did have those couple of months at home because of the lockdown. So, you know, you've seen the effects that it can have on a child like Kayla to be stuck at home like that. Oh, I did, yeah. And she didn't have a clue. Like, it was very hard for me to say, oh, there's a virus going around. We all have to stay at home because of this virus. You know, she doesn't understand what things like that are. And if I said then, oh, there's no school available, she'd be like, but school Kara's there. You know, it would be very hard to try and explain something to her like that. Yeah. Well, listen, it's great news anyway, Ashling, and thank you so much for giving us that update on the opinion line this morning. Now, we're going to Patrick Hogan. He's MD of Seabox Group here in Cork. Good morning, Patrick. Morning, Fiona. Patrick, you have some concerns around staff being vaccinated and being allowed to check your va- your staff's vax status. Uh, just tell me a little bit about your own concerns. Yeah, so I'm doing a risk assessment at the moment, obviously very, trying, to bring, trying to bring people back whenever we can and uh, when you talk to one expert and another expert in all different fields mm. so uh, as I told you in the, the message y- yesterday I, my insurance increased by two, three thousand euros mm. because of the possibilities of someone contracting COVID-19 now I don't want anyone to ever get COVID-19 yeah. and we're very lucky that no no one got very sick here in the last 18, 19 months mm-hmm. but but to go into a bar from Monday on, you'll have to scan your pass to get in. But mm-hmm. as an employer, I can't ask an employee, are you vaccinated? And then the fact that international travel is open and, and new variants and mm-hmm. all this, that if a member of this, of my staffing gets COVID for, from someone who is unvaccinated because they have a, a, a different variant, that's not able to be fought off by 
the current vaccines, mm. then one, I don't want anyone ever get sick, period. Mm. But, yeah. but, but, but also as well, I'm then responsible. Yeah. So, and it, there, there doesn't seem to be any like clear answers. And I know, I know Fiona, there's nothing of clear answers in in in, this, in the last eighteen months. But and and everything is just something new for everyone. But. Patrick, it must be an awful worrying time for employers. As you said there, you want you don't want anybody to get sick when they're at work. Mm, yeah, yeah. And and you, you don't want anyone to get sick. And like we're, as you know, we're in a national business. So we, we, we can be in any country. No, not for the last 18 months. But but if, if I have people that are unvaccinated, then um, again, I can't ask them that. Mm. Um, so I don't know unless they willingly tell me. Um, they, then uh, if they're flying to the US mm. or you know, let's say the US uh, you're 14 days quarantine there for two weeks work and 14 days when you're back here mm. so and like two months. you know as an employer you're obviously going to be taking the the health of your employees into oh, consideration and you would completely. be concerned about that yeah, yeah, yeah and, and the, thing, the thing is like even now we're, we're still going to have uh, work from home there's 16 to 20 people work directly here, mm. plus 50 plus work indirectly at the moment. And it, it, there's core people in the office and core people work from home. And there's a core people now that will never be in the office. So in different pods. And but, how many people do you have working for you, Patrick? Um, well, there's 16 in total in the office. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that, that would be permanently employed by us. But then... Uh, with subcontractors and everything like that, you're you're talking fifty plus. Um. So, but they literally the pod in the office is four people. Right. So, so it, 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 everyone else is working from home. No, it's, it's worked, and there's there's obviously issues from working from home as well, and and that. But it's worked for the last eighteen, nineteen months, and we've all stayed safe. Yeah. But it's it, it make sure the business operations can continue when. If if the on the off chance that someone got mm-hmm. sick, like I brought in, um, I think I was telling you this before, but um, I brought in antigen tests in June 2020, mm-hmm. and was antigen testing people uh, here, and I helped out other Cork businesses as well. But um, but that I I believe kept us safe um, over the last uh, couple of months. Now. Yes, the HSE are taking up more of that now from next week on. Yeah. But there, there doesn't seem to be an answer to um, the from an employer point of view between the, the insurance, the medical advice, and then the, uh, the 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 actual HR advice. Okay. Um, I suppose it is a very worrying time for businesses, Patrick, like yourself. And thank you very much for coming on and expressing those concerns here. And if we can get any answers for any of those questions, people can contact us here on 1850-715-996 or 0833-969696. Back after this. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. The best of Cork Awards are back. Nominations are open, and I have all the details you need. Going to be hooking you up with the biggest tunes. Could you play Miley Cyrus and Julie? The best prizes. Thank you so much, Lorraine. And lots of those you have to be there moments. The craziest thing I ever brought home in a night out was.
was my husband Richie. So for that and lots more, make sure you're with me weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. The Big Drive Home. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, just before the break, I was speaking to Patrick Hogan, the MT of Seabox Group here in Cork, and he had a lot of concerns about staff coming back into work and staff who are not vaccinated and, you know, where he's at, what's his position as an employer with regards to that, and he didn't want people to get sick. Now, um, there is, we were speaking here during the week to um, employment lawyer Cleana Kenny and she had um, some tips as to where people can go for advice on that and uh, there is a website so if you google Department of Enterprise Republic of Ireland work safety protocol um, there's a website there on that and also the HSE has several checklists on their website so hopefully that will help anybody who's in a similar situation to Patrick. Now um, there was sad news yesterday when one of Cork's wrestling clubs, the Phoenix Wrestling Club announced that it was going to be closing and I've been catching up with the owner of that, Billy Bedlam. Billy Bedlam, um, the Phoenix Wrestling Club here in Cork has decided to close. Can you just tell me a little bit about how you guys came to that decision? Well, I suppose um, I, it was a tough decision to make. Like I'm, 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 the, I'm one person running it, you know. Like it's, um, it's not strictly speaking a club. It's, it's like I private, it's privately owned, you know. So mm-hmm. everything kind of falls with me from a financial point of view and a kind of uh, organisation point of view to a certain degree, right? So basically, we set up, we set up, we set up three years ago, and we were in Douglas, uh, besides outside COVID times, right? Mm-hmm. And we were doing really well. And um, when COVID hit, obviously we shut. So I was coming to the end of my lease in Douglas and I paid the rent uh, for the last couple of months myself personally. And then I suppose we were coming out of, we were uh, when we were living with COVID last summer, you know, it looked, the future looked bright, you know, we were mm-hmm. coming into phase two and whatever. And we were after expanding so much that I opened up the new gym uh, in, in Outenball in uh, Manhattan Road. A much, it was a much uh, bigger place, right? And uh, we got two months out of it. And then obviously lockdowns and, and whatnot, right? Yeah. So um, over the last twelve months, we've only been open for three. Um, and to be fair enough, my landlord, very nice man, and we were kept in contact all the time. Um, and every month, I'd give him something, but obviously it wasn't the full rent, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we've come to a stage twelve months on with absolutely no, no clarity from 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 government what's going on, when we can open, how we can open. You know, and it's it's just I had to come to a stage where, from from a personal point of view, the bills are coming too much. I just we just I can't I can't handle it anymore. You know, um, from from that uh, regard, and I suppose the uncertainty and everything and the stress of all that, it just uh, I had to make the decision to, to unfortunately pull out. You know, it must have been a very um, devastating decision to have to make. Oh, you have no idea the sleepless nights, um, and you feel like you're leaving people down then because we have a community. There's 25 or 30 people that are you know. That's, I'm kind of, we're leaving kind of high and dry now mm. in Cork, you know, unfortunately. But um, and were, was it adults and children that were members of the club? Well, 16 is the entry level from an insurance purpose. You can't really be training people under that. But okay. we have a good, we have a lot of, we have, a, we have a lot of people between 16 and 22 who is there, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the majority of people. They're young, very young. Um, there's 
the oldest would be myself, like, and then there's one or two scattered in the middle. Mm. But it's primarily a pretty young uh, person's uh, uh, activity, you know, and we train three or four at least three times a week and we train for a few hours. I mean, it's a real family kind of orientation about it. You know, all the people that are, the people that are, their their parents come to the shows and all that kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's a real, it's a real feel good, um, feel good place. And some people, you know, we, you've, I've seen, I've seen young people, uh, there's some people there, they're 24, 25, whatever. I've seen them develop for the last seven or eight years as really shy little kids to, you know, blossoming and, and, Wrestling is a big part of that because they're interacting with people where they mightn't have been, you know, in, mm. in, interacting as much before. And unfortunately, Cork is losing that now, you know, um, and it, it's a real shame. Um, and can you see yourself being able to set it up again in the future? Well, I don't know. Well, I like, I don't know. To be honest with you, I mean, it's a big financial burden, really. Uh, now that I have with with leases and all that kind of stuff, that I that. You know, you know, so I can't really comment on that. Right. Uh, I don't think so at this point. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, it's, it's something that like I'm, I'm in, I'm in a part of my life where I should, you know, really be moving on. At this point, I'm in my forties, mm. um, and looking to buy a house and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I, I just don't see myself doing it. You know. Um, it's such a so shame far. to lose a club like that because from what you're describing the members and yourself it's not even just like the physical benefits of it it's the mental health aspects of oh, it absolutely. as well and the socialisation and there's so many yeah. different uh, angles that um, of, a per- of a person's health and well-being that are being mm-hmm. touched on with this wrestling club Absolutely yeah. and, and we're just one of hundreds of clubs I'd say around the country that are mm-hmm. struggling like this I mean I've gotten great support off other Wrestling, like, like wrestling is a pretty niche market. We're mm. one of four wrestling schools in the whole country, and there's one in Northern Ireland. Um, and now there's nothing, there's nothing, um, there's nothing past Dublin, you know. Um, do, do you think if there was more clarity from the government as to when clubs like yourselves would be able to fully reopen, that you might not be in this situation that you're in today? Oh, 100%. I mean, um, we had a business plan laid out of how we were going to back pay what was, you know. What, what what was um what was old you know and there was another club in with us like but there was my there was a, there was other guys in uh, I used to rent out the unit two nights a week for Muay Thai uh, but they used to actually do the the physical fighting part of it they used to just train the fitness part of it mm. and there was thir- there was at least thirty or forty in that in that in that club as well so you're you're not just talking about one one club being affected and the one unit here is two and you're talking maybe fifty or sixty or seventy people. Uh, affected with no to train now, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, there's just um, like I'd love someone like Jerry Bottomer to hear this. He's a teacher of mine at school. Like, yeah. um, there'd be these people be looking for votes again, you know. And I'm telling you, I remember this, and so a lot of other people. There's not a not an ounce of charity, not an ounce of support. There's no funding. I didn't get a, a penny from a grant uh, because I've worked full time as well in my personal life, and mm-hmm. I wasn't entitled to getting anything. Because wrestling falls somewhere in between sports and, and performing arts, but nobody wants to know about it. Um, it's 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 uh, it's a it's a devastating thing to to happen, and it's uh, it was a really tough year personally to be trying to carry the torch, you know, mm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, where we are, but like it's still it's still it's still very poor form from from people in power and, and leaders of the country that are neglecting a lot of a big sector of people here in, in indoor sports, you know, and, and others like me. I know there's the hospitality sector and all that yeah. kind of stuff and but like there's there's more than there's more of myself been affected by this this morning, you know.
Billy Bedlam from the Phoenix Wrestling Club in Cork. Thank you very much for joining me this morning on the Opinion Line. And one of those young people that have been affected by the closure of this is is Michelle Hewitt-Thompson's son, Sam. Michelle, good morning. Morning, Fiona. How are you? How are you? How are you and Sam this morning now after hearing this news? Oh, I'm, I'm heartbroken. I am going mad over it. I'm going mad for Billy because um, Karen and Billy, he's he's just been outstanding. I have to say, like, you know, mm-hmm. he's a brilliant trainer. Um, he's been very, very good to Sam over the years, I have to say. Um, I'd be lost without him, to be honest, like, you know, because Sam's a very, very quite young child, like, you know, and yeah. Sam, like, this brought Sam out of himself, you know, the wrestling, like, because Sam loved the wrestling. And when I... Joined, when we joined him up, I was a bit nervous because I said to Billy, look, I said, he is very sensitive now. Mm-hmm. So don't be worrying about him. He'd be grand. And what a difference we saw in Sam. What a difference, like, we saw. And to hear this now this morning, I am I'm heartbroken. Like, I mean, so what Billy said, like, you know, there's no one out there to help, yeah. you know, to help a club like that. Like, you know what I mean? And the financial burden shouldn't be put on Billy. Like, you know, like, Billy had said to us, like, going back a couple of months ago, could we spare something? And I, I said, no problem. I said, I, I said, he didn't expect us to pay the whole, whole amount of the, of the money, like, every month. But we paid so much, I paid every month so much mm-hmm. for him. You know, to put towards, you know, what what was going on, and then like when we heard this, then like you know, I was just completely shocked, Fiona. Like you know, and obviously the club had to close a lot for the last year and a half because of the COVID restrictions, and Sam was missing out on that. And you know, what kind of an impact did that have on him? Um, an awful impact I had on him, like, I mean, because he used to train twice a week, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, half six to half nine. And those two days, like, could you know, he used to love it. And then seeing the difference with my home now, he's just bored. Yeah. Bored. You know, he's just bored. Like, and he talks about it and he misses it. He loves to go, he wants to go back to it. And, you know, it's very hard, like, trying to, trying to explain to him, like, you know, like, I know you love something that you love doing and unfortunately you can't do it. Yeah. You know, because of this COVID, you know, like COVID has ruined everything. Like we're never going to be the same again, Fiona, mm. you know, in this country, like, you know, with this COVID, like, you know, I mean, we have to live with it, unfortunately. You know, we are, we're yeah. going to have to live with it now, like, but it's just that it's after destroying everything, like, you know, and especially yeah. for a wrestling club that Sam enjoyed and loved and all the other other um, people that were in it as well, like, you know. Michelle, like, obviously, like, it's very heartbreaking for yourself and Sam, but, like, you know, Billy, he, there's no blame on Billy's doorstep here. It's oh nothing God, to do with Billy, no. like, no. No, I tell you, no, I, wouldn't, I would not blame Billy. All I can say is the nicest things to Billy mm-hmm. because without Billy, I tell you, my, my Sam today like would, would still be a very very quiet child I would say mm-hmm. and it's Billy that brought him out of that like and I have to say because even when we used to go to the matches like as a mother now I'd be like oh my god oh my god you know looking at this mm-hmm. but like and Sam's like mom will you stop you're mortifying <laughs> me you know and of course I he's known as Sam the Sham and I was known as mom the Sham of course I used to be like getting hyper then like and they'd be like yeah. mom will you go away you're disgracing me will you stop you know but like like the moves and everything and I'd be like oh my god like, but sure he was just, just used to it like and I mean when you see him taking it like you know, I'd be like, Oh my god, I said like that. But you know, he just loved this, um Fiona loved it and like he come home 
And, you know, we saw this difference in Sam. And like I said, there's no blame here on Billy because Billy was very, very good to Sam. And he, he yeah. I, like I said, I'd be lost, lost without Billy because Billy's been nothing but very, very good. And even like, um, you know, I would say nothing bad about Billy because I my heart goes out to Billy today. It really does. I know, because yeah. I know Billy, Billy loves this as well. I mean, you were seeing Billy, Billy says that this is Billy's like, dream as well of, of being in the wrestling club, having it. And my heart goes out to him as well today. You know? I know, and you can hear it in his voice how upset yeah. he is. And yeah. he did mention when he was talking to me about um, the government's um, inaction with regards to uh, guidelines on indoor sports. And he spoke about Jerry Buttimer. And Jerry Buttimer is yeah. on the line. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Fiona. Uh, you heard what Billy had to say there, Jerry. What's your own reaction to this? He said that, you know, it's very poor form from people in power. He feels that they're neglecting people in clubs like his own. Yeah, I, I, first of all, can I just thank him for the work that he's doing? And secondly, I understand fully because I'm involved in my own GA club, mm. the impact that COVID's had on sporting activity. And certainly we have an issue uh, with indoor sports like, like wrestling, uh, like, like um, you know, dancing schools, so it's something we need to address. I mean, we've had a, we've had a debate this week about increasing capacity of attendance at sporting events, uh, and we saw what happened with the Cork Kerry match at the weekend, and with Cork Clare on Saturday as well. But what we need to do now is to is, is as part of our vaccination program, there, there must be a, a positive knock-on bonus for indoor sports that Billy represents in terms of wrestling, and I'd be very happy to meet with him and to sit down with him and to talk to him and, and to advocate on behalf of him and his club because it's an issue uh, we we have, you know, I think a need to address fundamentally going forward because, as an example, indoor dancing is an example where, where, where in dance schools have a, have a, have a particular issue. Summer, indoor summer, summer camps have had an issue now in the last couple of weeks. So we're allowing activity outdoor to a point but we need to allow in activity to begin indoor again in a safe manner and as we vaccinate more people mm. and, and we have proof of vaccination and inoculation, then there must be a bonus dividend for those clubs and those events. You know, we've seen where we have allowed bingo to resume um, in, in a controlled, tight fashion. And I think in the case of sporting events, like what Billy is representing, we need to make a case for it. And, and many of us have been. And this, this week, as I said, I'm repeating myself, we have been advocating about increasing capacity at sporting events, outdoors, in the context of matches. But I think that there is an issue that we need to address um, because it has a profound impact uh, on, on not just Billy's club and, and sport, but other sports as well. Okay, Senator Jerry Buttimer, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Nine and Corks ninety six FM this morning. Coming up after the breaks, uh, we will also be looking at the impact of restrictions and guidelines on the wedding industry. Back after this, the Corks ninety six FM Best of Cork Awards are back. We're looking for nominations of places and services that are the best in Cork. From best beauty salon to breakfast. Best workplace to gym. Hairdresser to hotel. Best bar to best local tradesperson and more. C96FM.ie now to nominate. Then stay listening. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths, and more with a 12 month guarantee. Backed by Board Gosh. Only on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Welcome back. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on this Friday's Opinion Line. Now, earlier I was speaking to Billy Bedlam about the Phoenix Wrestling Club closing. Um, we've been contacted by a number of people. Quiva on WhatsApp says, I just want to thank Billy and all the guys in the wrestling scene in Cork for the amount of time they spend with the kids. And my Darren says he hopes to see him again soon. Another person says, pity to be losing a guy like that, wrestling club and the help he gives to the kids. Well done to him. Please stick at it. And that came in from Jimmy Horgan in Cove. Um, And as I said before the break, another sector that has been really badly hit by by COVID and uncertainty around guidelines is the wedding industry. Um, Earlier in the week, Tanish to Leo Varadkar made this announcement. As has always been the case, we'll often set an, ad- an indicative date or a target date for the further easing of restrictions. But we always say to people to operate on the basis that they won't change. Uh, don't assume that they will change. Uh, so I'd say to anyone who's planning a wedding in August, uh, operate on the basis that'll be 50. That might change. It might change to 100. But um, uh, I wouldn't plan on that basis. I wouldn't plan on that basis. Samantha Lancashire, what did you? What was your reaction when you heard that from the Tornista? Um, a little bit like everything else, sort of last year in this, it's kind of like, okay, well, thanks for letting us know so late in the game, but mm. what can I control now that's going to make my day really good? And, like, thankfully, we've still got a little bit of time, but obviously the run-up is quite stressful. If there's any other brides or couples listening, they're probably feeling it too. When are you due to get married? At uh, the beginning of October. Okay. Um, and that's our third date. So we were due to get married last year in August in Nurka in Spain, which we postponed till August this year in Nurka in Spain. And when we made the call in April to actually cancel Nurka because of because of all the things changing at the last minute and so on, we made the decision to say, look, let's just do something at home and let's just do something that's a bit smaller and within our control. Hmm. Um, and so that's why we ended up with October this year in Cork. Okay. And your guest list, so for your wedding in Cork, um, have you set it at 50? Are you hoping for 100? Or what is um, your plans with regards to the amount of people you can have at your wedding? Yeah. Um, so when we were going to Nurka, we had about 70 coming. And the 70 were from Ireland, uh, England, Spain, and also a few people from America as well. So that was another reason why we decided to change it. And when we went with Cork, our main focus was having our day. Mm. And so what we didn't want to do is kind of hope for the best and then have to cut the guest list list again and again and have more disappointments. So we actually punted for 25 and that's what we're sticking with. (laughs) Yeah. And are you sticking with 25 just because you don't want the hassle of having to cut people again and having to go through all that again? That's exactly right. It was like, after all these changes, if there's one thing that I can hopefully control, the average sort of numbers last year came in at around 25. And so that's what we'll go with. And and, and that's where we are. Unfortunately, we had to almost like disinvite some people, but they were very understanding um, given the circumstances. The having to change, like organising a wedding can be quite stressful, but having to organise it three times must be really, really stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a challenge to say the least. Um, And I said to your your colleague yesterday when he contacted me, I'm currently sat here um, with, with a broken leg. So okay. I had an accident. Um, <laughs> I had an accident four months, four weeks ago, playing with my dog, 
and um, they said get a rescue in lockdown it's so rewarding and they're so mm-hmm. lovely and he knocked me over um, so I broke my knee and <laughs> my shin yes <laughs> So that in the mix as well, it's definitely um, made things a little bit more complicated, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose the added complexity was that last week I received a call from the person who I was hiring the private venue from where we were going to have our wedding blessing. And that was in Kinsale. Mm-hmm. And through no fault of his own, there have been some changes regarding the guidelines for his properties that he's renting out. And unfortunately, he was unable to fulfill the rental. So with 11 and a half weeks to go, all my guests, the 25 guests yeah. and my suppliers, um, I had to find a new venue last week. <laughs> oh my God. How are you being so happy and upbeat about it all? <laughs> I think I'd be like going just insane. <laughs> um, spreadsheets are my friend. Um, so like, even if you don't like spreadsheets, right, just open up like your Gmail yeah. and go into, there's a little function in, in that that you can, you can kind of set up really simple spreadsheets. So that's first of all. Um, I think the second thing is just control what you can control, right? Mm-hmm. So with all the changing guidelines, like yesterday, uh, the day before with the new announcement, I also had some friends who were disappointed with that because they had invited the extra people on the basis that the numbers were going up. Yeah. So try and control what you can control um, and make your decisions around that and, and kind of keep, you know, the, the heart of the matter being like you and your partner having the best day possible given the circumstances. And if you have to have another big party in a year's time on your anniversary or whatever, if you mm. want to get everybody together, then do that. But if you'd rather have that big party on your big day, then make the decision to say, well, let's wait. And that's what we decided with Spain is that we didn't want to wait another year. Yeah. So we made the call to cancel it and go with something smaller because we, we just wanted to have our day. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the kind of control what you could control piece. I think and then you just, said to us in our in your email that uh, love wins in the end. <laughs> it does. It does. Like, that's the thing, you know, you've just got to go with the, the, the feeling that the two of you are going to have the best day, no matter what. And it might not be what you initially planned. And, you know, we started planning our wedding in 2019 so we could save and, you know, got the credit union going. You know how it is. And we just had so many ideas and we don't see everybody often. So bringing everyone together was a key for us. And mm. we've lost that, but we can't do anything about it. So keeping the heart of like what we want to do and bring together what we can and mm. controlling what we can control. Um, I still don't have a hairdresser and a makeup artist. I'm still with the change in the location. But like a good empath, I've put myself last so that that will figure itself out. <laughs> It'll be okay. Once everybody else comes and has a good time, and definitely love wins. I do believe in that. Have you got the dress? <laughs> I, I'm on my second dress, oh, yes. No. <laughs> do you mind me asking why you're on your second dress? <laughs> <laughs> because the first dress was more suited for like a Spanish climate okay. and <laughs> and the environment and we were going to obviously downsizing we were yeah. downsizing the dress as well so yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do with the first dress did you just not um I'm currently, I'm currently like trying to sell it for for somebody who's maybe looking for a bargain okay. but again things like that I mean the second dress that I bought I was worried about budget so mm. I just shopped around and I looked on different sites and I said look you know can I make an offer on this dress because here's my circumstances yeah. and people are very accommodating so yeah. you know things like that a lot of people say did you have to spend a lot more 
Um, some things have gone up, of course, and business is business, but there were ways where people were very accommodating. Mm. And once you explain, um, yeah, and, 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 and ask in a real nice way, and you'll be surprised. But um, yeah, my second dress. <laughs> I'm sure with the downsized dress and no makeup and no hair, you'll still look <laughs> as beautiful as ever. <laughs> oh, 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 you're very kind. But yeah, it has been really stressful. And mm. like I say, the, you know, the, the changing guidelines for everybody, even like, the, the businesses involved, you know, there's so many small businesses that I've spoken to that have really struggled. In fact, my own hairdresser here in Middleton, mm. unfortunately, hasn't reopened because of because of lockdown, which is one of the reasons, you know, why I'm still looking for a hairdresser. Um, and, and my heart goes out to them as well, because we're all impacted um, mm. and our families mm. and so on. And a lot of my family and friends won't be able to make it because they don't live in Ireland. But what can I control? And that's where the positivity comes in. And I believe that we'll have a great day with the people that are here. And on our anniversary, we'll have another great day with the people who weren't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, I suppose, okay, you don't have the numbers that you wanted, but you are going to have your nearest and dearest there to celebrate the day. And as you said, then you could maybe have a bigger party later on when when we're allowed to have things like that again. Exactly. Um, And like I say, I mean, explaining to people is a tricky conversation, but for the most part, everybody's been really understanding Mm. and rallied rallied around, which which definitely helps. And I'm sure they've had a similar circumstance over the last year or so with maybe a milestone birthday or a communion or something like that. Everybody gets it, you know. So try not to absorb. What I will say to people is try not to absorb other people's stress. Yeah. And just focus on like you and your partner and getting the best possible outcome for you because that's what kept me in the in the good headspace. Well, Samantha, thank you very much and best of luck for the big day ahead. Now, um, we will go to us. I think, do we have um, another caller there on the line? I think we do. Um, it's just in relation to new wheelchair-friendly benches that have been put in place in Ballancolig. And on the line now is Margaret Long. She's the owner of Cafe Chico. Good morning, Margaret. Hello. Hello, Margaret. How are you? How are you getting on? Very well, thank you. Margaret, um, these uh, wheelchair-friendly benches, uh, when did they go in? Just let me know a little bit about them. Well, there had been a few benches, but the um, City Council Parks Department upgraded many of them and put in a lot of new ones. Now, a lot of them are sort of the circular ones with brakes in the middle, but there's one specific one that a wheelchair can pull right into behind the disabled spaces just adjacent to my coffee van. Lovely. And what's the reaction been like from customers? Um, Absolutely amazing because... Um, the park is very wheelchair accessible for people and, you know, the footpaths and it's, it's quite close to the picnic area and the river and there's loads of shade and, um, very positive, do you know? Um, I have one lovely couple, Donal and Aline, they're down every single day, you know, and they just love it. It's kind of a social little hub for people. They can meet people for a chat or catch up with a few friends and, you know, yeah, very positive. Brilliant, brilliant. Listen, Margaret, thank you so much for getting in touch with us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning. And if anybody wants to see those benches and avail of them, they are in Ballancolic Regional Park. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM.
Fiona Corker in, in for PJ Coogan on the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM today. Now, in the first hour, I was speaking to Ashling Hennebury, whose daughter Kayla had been in Skullcara and was hoping to get into Skulltraced, but there was no place and they've had a stressful few weeks. Um, and it was confirmed to them in a letter yesterday that they got a place for her in Carrigaline. And we've had a couple of call- callers, 2185715996, in relation to that. One caller said, My friend still hasn't heard about her child's school place. Her child is hoping to get into Carrigaline, but we would have hoped that all the letters went out together, exceptions and uh, denials. I'm sure they aren't the only family to find out this this morning that some had been accepted and they're still in uncertainty. Another caller says, I'm absolutely delighted delighted to hear that child got the school place she deserves. Every single child should have the right to an education and yes that is very true. Now um, as part of Cork Pride Festival 2021, Cork County Council's Library and Arts Service is hosting an online talk called It's No Big Deal, a talk on gender identity and sexuality and hosting that talk it will be the Gender Rebels Cork and joining me now from that group is Jack Fitzgerald. Good morning Jack. Good morning there. Thanks for having me today. You're very welcome, Jack. And just tell me a little bit about what this talk is going to be about and what it focuses on. Um, yeah, so this talk, what it is about is an introductory for people who aren't from the LGBTQIA plus community, who really don't know anything about us, who feel like really nervous, like engaging with us. Because mm-hmm. this is something I've you noticed is that like when I was transitioning, people were like, really nervous to engage me and... I started talking to people and trying to find out why they were nervous and it was this fear of getting it wrong. So this is where like this sort of training has come out and this presentation has come out of is trying to get people to be okay with like getting it wrong, to feel awkward. Like again, we're all human, it's a process. And so this talk is there aimed to educate them, especially for parents, grandparents, guardians, just, you know, if they have a young one who's like transitioning or coming out, that they feel a bit more equipped, that they have a better understanding of what their children are going through, they have a better understanding of the services that are there. And it's fantastic that I've been able to work with the county library and our services to to deliver this. Um, and what is your advice to people who do have those fears of, of getting it wrong, as you say? Um, getting wrong. I think what people tend to do if they're like if they have this fear and they're a bit nervous and they're a bit and they feel a bit awkward about it, it's like they tend to avoid. And unfortunately, like I know um, Seeding the County, which is a project down in Yall run by Comnadina, they did a piece of research and they found that like for a lot of people, isolation, especially in rural Cork, is a huge problem. So if you feel awkward and you're not engaging with these people, that's just going to impact their feeling of isolation more. So what I would kind of say is engage with these people, be okay in yourself and getting it wrong. And like if you get mm-hmm. it wrong... Just correct yourself and also kind of just move on. Like, again, we're all human. These things happen. I know when I was coming out, people were getting my name and pronoun wrong all the time. And it's a process for them because in the way that it took me a long time to figure out who I was as a person, it takes people close to me a long time to understand it and accept it. Misgendering is a big thing on social media this morning. Mm. So if someone does misgender someone, what is the best way to approach it? Uh, so that's way to process it. So if you use the wrong gender, just like go, sorry, I meant like she. And mm-hmm. then like the really key thing is to move on. Because I think, again, sometimes what people do, people are trying really, really hard not to get things wrong. Um, I, always, I always use the example of like, don't think of the pink elephant. If you, if you try not to think elephant, all you're going to do is think of pink elephant. So when people are really, really trying to get it right, sometimes they'll trip themselves up. So if you do that, just apologize straight away. 
you know, most people are very, very understanding. Like, I know myself, sometimes I don't even pick up when someone's done it by accident. Mm. And again, like, if it's a genuine accident, we will know. Um, but the key is, like, not to keep talking about it. You know, I've, I've been stuck in half an hour's conversation with people who keep apologizing because, again, they feel really sorry about it. And, mm. and I understand that. But it's important to also like, just move on in the conversation. And is it hurtful to you um, um, if, if somebody does, um, you know, misgender and keep and keep going on about it then or is it something that you can just brush over um it depends on like the person i know myself like i'm i'm pretty resilient um so like i usually just brush over again i can understand that people are not do not have malice intent when they do it and yeah. if somebody does and that's somebody like i just don't want to engage with um and you know it's, it's understanding it's a process um and like sometimes it can be a bit frustrating if i have somebody who's, who's just not getting it yeah. And like, and usually then I just have to sit down and I was like, I know this is a process, I know it's difficult for you, but like, like I, I would really, really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me if you could just, you know, try a little harder. We we can work together on this. Yeah. And have you spoken to other people in Cork who feel the same way as you, yeah? Oh yeah, definitely. I think um, that is, you know, you know, in our peer support and stuff that we do, that's one of the conversations, you know, that we often have is, you know, oh, someone misgendered me and they just spent the next half an hour apologizing and mm. it was it was awkward you know and I, I just wanted you know to have the conversation because then like you're just trying more focus in on it yeah and do you think that attitudes in Cork are changing oh massively so like it's I think especially like when it comes to like the wider um, county Cork there, there's this mm. idea that the more rural you go the worse it's going to get and my experience, like, this isn't the case. Like, I have people from all the way from there reaching out, looking to put services and supports in their area. Like, people are really good. We, we give people the opportunity to support and help us. Hmm. People take that on. I know um, the Skibbering Family Resource Centre recently sent out all these pride packs to the local businesses. Hmm. And we all put them up. Um, you know, cause, like, and they were, it was just fantastic to see on social media all of these different businesses with their flags, like, being really, really proud and being really you know, happy to support us. And Jack, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who might be listening to this conversation on the Opinion Line on 96FM mm. this morning who wants to tell their friends and family that they identify differently? Um, what I would kind of say is it's, it's a process. There is no right time. Um, I think we kind of treat like coming out as this one big event, but you're always coming out. Um, like I would say, like, start off small, tell somebody you know you can trust, you know, so that the way you'll have someone on your back when you tell other people link in with the community you know you have us gender of court you also have link you have the gay project again over in y'all you have and um, the senior county project so there's a lot of resources to also link in with um because like sometimes you know you build yourself up to come out to somebody and you're mm. waiting for this big argument or this you know for it all to go crashing down and you tell them and they're like oh that's grand and then like you're like oh where where do i take all this energy i was mm. waiting for this fight because again, most people are very, very accepting. And if, when somebody's not, it's usually because this is news that they've yet to process and it can take a time to process. So if you have a negative reaction, try not to worry too much, you know, give that person time to process it. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people, cause again, the way that, you know, we have to process ourselves, mm. and acknowledge it to ourselves and come out to ourselves. Our loved ones, especially the more closer our loved ones is to us, the more that they'll need to go through that process also. Yeah. And what was it like for yourself when you were coming out? 
Um, for myself, I was very, very fortunate. Um, like coming out, I came out kind of older. I was 27 at the time mm. when I came out as trans. Uh, my experience was, was really, really positive. Again, I kind of one of the bigger negatives was the fact like I know people were being very awkward around me, and I, I was the one who had to initiate engagement again, and and that got very tiring after a while. So like, there's a few friendships that kind of dissipated, and it's not out of sadness or malice. It was because they just didn't know how to interact with me anymore. Yeah. So then, how important is something like pride? How important is that initiative? Um, it's it's very, very important, again, because, you know, as I said earlier, like, there is a lot of isolation and sometimes you can feel like you're the only person who's experiencing this. And pride is, is kind of about taking ownership of the community and engaging with the community. And pride can be a great way to get introduced to the community. And I think that is very, very important that people build up those sense of connections. They build up that sense of community. Again, that's why Gender Rebels was founded, because for the trans, non-binary, intersex and gender non-forming community, there wasn't a, a hub or a center for them to go to in Cork and it was really important for me to put that in and I pride also operates like that. You know, it operates as this hub for people to engage in the community and you know, it's I think that's really important. It's important to know that there's others like you out there. And Jack, just remind us about the talk. What's it called? Mm-hmm. Where can people find it and when's it on? Perfect. So the talk is called No Big Deal, um, Gender Identity and Sexuality. It's, again, it's about um, giving people an introduction into gender identity and sexuality. It's going to be hosted on the County Cork Library's YouTube and it's going to be up tomorrow. Brilliant. Um, thanks very much for Jack, uh, to Jack for coming on the Opinion Line this morning and telling us all about that. And if anybody does want to watch that, it is on the Cork County Library at corkcoco.ie. Well, what you can do, Ross, is you can get some uh, bacon. Bacon? Vegetarian bacon. Is, 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 is that what they do? They just put a V in front of whatever meat it is? V- vosages. Vashers. Vashers. Valami. Veef. What about some, some minced vince? Some vince. <laughs> vicken? Uh, yeah, vicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, verky. Verky burgers. Verky burgers. Yeah. What about some vegetarian duck? Well, that would be... Yeah, don't, don't, don't. Casey and Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the City, a long standing tradition in Cork. Open 24 7 at NoDC.com. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Welcome back, Fiona Corker, and in for PJ Coogan. Now, if you're a parent and you have a child between the ages of two and five and you're wondering what to do with them, um, there's a new group now that has set up de- development. Uh, it's called Welly Waddlers, and joining me on the line now is Taryn Kelly, Development Officer with the Ballyhora Development Association. Good morning, Taryn. Hi, very good morning, Fiona. Thanks very much for having me. And thanks for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Taryn, what is Welly Waddlers? So, uh, Welly Waddlers, in, in one way, it's incredibly simple, but it's kind of also quite powerful. It's, it's taking natural play, kind of outdoors, uh, in natural spaces, be it woodlands, rivers, lakes, and we're kind of using a kind of semi-urban setting, so it makes it quite convenient for kind of parents sitting in around obviously busy days and naps and things like that but we're trying to bring that kind of very much developmental natural play where you're kind of engaging all the senses uh, having a bit of fun 
outdoors, fresh air, um, in with a very young group uh, who have obviously had very little in terms of groups going on or socialisation mm. uh, in the last, you know, 12 months, 18 months. So um, that's, it's, um, in one way, as I said, it's, it's quite simple, but it, it's very active crafts and kind of discovery in a very much a natural outdoor play setting. And how important is it for a child's development to have this kind of outdoor play and outdoor discovery? No, inc- incredibly, incredibly. Like from from just a very, you know, from a very basic level of just being outdoors in fresh air and um, just exercise to right down to kind of developmental um, kind of play as well. Because mm. if you take maybe a child to a playground, and which we all do, they're fantastic and they're, they... They, but when you take them to a natural play space, they actually play very differently. So in a playground, it's a lot, and you'll see it yourself, there's a lot of running around, it's very fast, mm-hmm. it's sliding up and down. When you actually take them to a natural place, the slow, uh, the play actually slows down, where children actually engage different parts of their brain. So it's very much problem solving, problem solving and kind of creative side of the brain gets kind of, um, those, those neurons get switched on more. And that really has a powerful effect on the development of, you know, just um, of, of just how the mm. brain and child grows. So every sense is, is used. It doesn't matter if it's sometimes mainly touch and, and sight that we, we, we use all the time. But then you're, you're kind of hearing things, you're smelling things in the forest or, or by a river and you're touching and feeling. And so it's a very tactile kind of different type of play and, and the, this Welly Waddles program is like the whole idea is it runs year round, uh, right. where where we're using different locations. Like the, within Cork, so far we've got one just started in Donnerail, okay. uh, but we're also in Limerick as well because Ballyhower Development covers the, a good portion of North Cork into into Limerick. Mm. Um, so this is something we're starting up. We we we're like within Ballyhower Development when it comes to outdoor activities and natural. Uh, you know, environmental education. That's the department I kind of try to work with, and, and we saw this a huge opportunity uh, with the pandemic, with the lockdown, and maybe children not getting a chance to be outdoors as much, or not so much outdoors, but not in organised groups as much. That this would be a just a fantastic way to kind of reintroduce and introduce this natural play in a in a kind of social setting where the children can kind of be around each other and see other children and same with parents as well when it comes to um, seeing other new mothers or other new fathers who can maybe uh, exchange exchange kind of numbers and kind of get to know their experiences over the last 18 months because there hasn't been a whole lot of that and I'm, mm. I'm talking from myself being a, a new dad for uh, during this time as well so it's a lot of a personal perspective on it but it's also a very much a um, you know it's any time outdoors is well spent in, in my in my book as well. And are the kids doing this as part of a group and can they move at their own speed? Because obviously the speed of a two year old and a five year old would be very different. Yeah, and, and we've like it is um it is, but that, I think that's that's the beauty of it. it's 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 like we, we said this, the pace is set to waddle. Mm. Um so where the child will be participating, our guides will lead the session. But it's a parent and toddler group, so or a parent and preschool child group. So the parent will accompany the child. We will guide through certain activities. Some of them are quite active. Mm. Some of them are quite, uh, as I said, hands-on discovery, be it 
learning just what's in the soil or what's in the local lake or river or stream and we'll kind of half set that up but then let that kind of slow-paced exploration um, happen with the child at their own pace and, and as you said a two-year-old will get something quite different than a five-year-old yeah. but um, they'll also get mixing between those ages as well and, and that's, that's that whole um, getting used to having other people and other children around and, and obviously even siblings would be a two or three year age gap at times as well. So it's, it works quite well. Uh, and I was, I was in Donnerell yesterday. We had a great session. And just to, again, just to have parents are telling me they're having, um, and, you know, anxiety about going through um, the last 18 months with not mm-hmm. having stuff on. And this, this has really been a welcome uh, for a lot of parents. And they, the children are just very much engaged in, in what would at first seem like the most simplest of tasks, um, but they're you know they're born curious. We're all born yeah. curious. It's, it's the case of maybe slowing ourselves as adults down um, to allow the children to play at at a pace that they can start to see, look, and feel and touch. Uh, and that's what this session probably brings most to the table. Brilliant. And Taryn, where can a parent sign up for this? Yeah, well, the Ballyhara Development website, we, like, we're the Ballyhara Bureau is underneath that. You'll find it uh, there. But the Ballyhara Development website will be where you can book any of these sessions and when they're on. Yeah. Uh, Ballyhara Bureau have their own Facebook page. And again, just if even to Google uh, Welly Waddlers, we, you should probably, we'd probably come up pretty near the top there, I imagine. Brilliant. Um, but no, I, I, we just on a, on a final note for me, again, it doesn't matter if young or old, like that's, that kind of getting outdoors and I think we've all appreciated that in the last 18 months of just starting to explore your local be it 2k, 5k, 10k but those forest areas those rivers those streams um, that's that's what we're very much promoting and, and this is just our first step into taking it from a younger age and obviously we'd hope to do more and we're open to any questions and suggestions from, from any listeners that are, are looking for something we'd always be happy to help out Brilliant. It sounds it sounds brilliant. Thank you very much, Taryn Kelly, for joining me. That's Taryn Kelly from the Ballyhorra Development on the Corks 96 FM opinion line. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, um, we've been hearing time and time again about how musicians have been affected by the pandemic and the the sector is still out of the, is still locked out of the industry while at the same time they're being pressured off their current financial support. Gary Bouse is a musician here in Cork. Gary, good morning. 
Good morning. Gary, obviously we've been hearing about how the pandemic has affected musicians in um, throughout the last uh, year and a half. But you, you're bringing to attention that um, a lot of artists have always been living in, in a state of poverty. That's right. Um, you know, we had a musician's protest on June 23rd last month mm. to highlight uh how we thought we could get back to work safely in some capacity. But I think at a lot of the speeches that we had at that protest, it was very clear that, you know, a musician's normal wasn't, wasn't normal that uh, even pre pandemic Mm -hmm. um, most artists and musicians are, are struggling financially. Um, So I think that that was kind of the beginning of, us getting organized to kind of shape our industry and to ourselves and to maybe, you know, stop the, the, the low wages, some of the unpaid labor that's just so common in our industry, you know, within the performing arts. Why do you think it is such a low paid industry? Um, well, it's, 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 that's a tough one. That's a tough Mm. question to answer. Um, I think it, it's incredibly uh, music's incredibly important uh, for mental health. It's I think it's the most powerful antidepressant uh, stress reliever uh, in the world. But um, so it's it's spiritually, uh, psychologically, um, it's soulfully important to us. But I think a lot of people or employers. Uh, look at it as if it was only cosmetic uh, yeah. because it's not about a physical, you know, something physical that you need. It's almost something metaphysical that you need. If I hope I'm not getting too abstract, but I think that's those things are still very important and they have a really important role in society and we need to pay our artists properly so we can continue to do that work. Do you think that there's a danger that culture and arts could be pushed out of big cities? Uh, absolutely. I think the main... The main killer of the arts is um, is high rent. You know, um, there's nothing that kills culture faster uh, than high rent. And the higher the rent goes up, the more people give up their artistic career. You mm-hmm. know, because they just can't pay the rent with it anymore. And sometimes they change professions, and which is a huge cultural loss to the city. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they move out of the city, which is also a huge loss. So we have you know, working class people and artists moving to the outskirts and we have, you know, richer people coming in and taking over the uh, city centre and that that really changes the city um, and, it, and, it ha- and it comes with a whole host of problems itself, you know. Do you think that that's happening here in Cork? Absolutely. Um, I've lived in several different cities around the world and I've seen it happen everywhere I go. Um, and like most of my friends... Uh, don't live in the in the city anymore. Mm. Um, they've all uh, been evicted. Um, they've all had to uh, move out to the outskirts. Um, it's it's a it's a pattern that happens everywhere, unfortunately. So, what do we need to do then to save this whole sector? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think because the majority of the work that musicians and performing artists do. It's, it's the majority of that work is unpaid. 
uh, because we only get paid for the performance when we're on stage. But behind that performance is hours and hours of unpaid rehearsals, practice, organization, collaboration. So an artist's basic income would really help um, because I don't think we could ever, an art, uh, a musician could ever really charge the exact rate, you know, mm. for for a performance because, like I said, there's all this other work that goes um, unpaid. Um, so, so a, 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 some solutions from the government would be great, and and they are talking about this a little bit. Is an artist basic income? Uh, we also just need public housing um, for everybody. I mean, artists are suffering from the from the housing crisis, but so is pretty much everybody else. Um, so we need public housing on public land. It's the cheapest way to do things. We need to stop uh, selling public land to private developers. That's not the way to go. Um, I'd like to mention on September 11th in Cork, we're having a national homeless and housing coalition protest. I would encourage everybody to come out to that. Um, the government, when it comes to housing, never does what's right. It, we have to uh, force the government to do what's right. And and, and having people come out in big numbers for protests is really important. Um, another solution is just to give artists space. Like we have mm. so much dereliction within the city center of Cork and a lot of that space could be utilized in amazing ways by, by artists. In fact, that's what really helps revitalize a lot of cities um, is because that's why artists move into those um, um crappier areas or spaces, you know, because we just, we, we need these spaces. They, they don't need to be livable or pretty. They're just spaces for us to work in, experiment in, paint, practice music, sculpt, you know, collaborate with others. Um, and uh, so that's one way to kind of help, um, you know, the city. And Gary, do you think that a lot of musicians and artists who maybe weren't in a very financially stable situation 18 months ago and then, you know, have had little or no work over the last um, 18 months because of the pandemic, that they're just going to leave that industry and find a job elsewhere? That's what a lot of people have been doing, unfortunately. Um, it's it's totally decimated um, our industry because, like mm. I said, we were already suffering before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit. And I think for a lot of my friends who are performing artists and musicians, um, it was the last straw. Also like our wages never recovered even from the 2008, you know, economic collapse. Like I made more 15 years ago in 2005 uh, than I did in 2019. Uh, more than a third of performing artists earn less than, and earn less than the minimum wage. So, um, yeah, so the pandemic was, was uh, just, you know, ruined a lot of people's um, yeah. chances of, of, of staying within the arts, you know. Gary, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Now we're moving down to the southwest of the county to Skibbereen and I'm joined now on the line by Sean Long, who's the director of the Southwestern River Basin District Inlands Fisheries Ireland. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? Not too bad, Sean. What's been happening down in Skibbereen? Uh, well, unfortunately, Fiona, we had a, a call from a member of the public early on Wednesday morning in relation to some dead fish spotted in the river uh, in Skibbereen itself. And when our officers uh, went to investigate, they discovered, unfortunately, over 2,000 uh, fish mortalities or dead fish in the river over a stretch of about two kilometres. Um, and we've been investigating that, the cause of that sense. 
Any idea yet what the cause is? Uh, we have a we have a, a, a reasonably solid uh, direction of inquiry. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Okay. And what kind of fish were um, were, were were found to be dead? Uh, there was a, a mixture of fish, primarily uh, salmon and sea trout, uh, also some eel and flounder. But also in the smaller tributaries off the, the river, we found a lot of uh, minnows and stickleback. Um, so it's it's been fairly destructive. Um, the, the the main I suppose the main problem here, of course, is at least 50 adult salmon that were moving up into the system, mm. um, which obviously has a big effect on the potential spawning mm. in the river over the course of the, the the winter. You know, it's a highly unusual situation, isn't it, to find 2,000 fish dead in a river. Um, well, thankfully, uh, yeah. <laughs> any dead fish in the river is, is a problem. And we spend an awful lot of time and effort uh, protecting all the, 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 the salmon, sea trout and mm. eels coming into our rivers. It's, unfortunately, it's not the only fish kill that we've had. Um, we had a, a very severe case about four years ago on a tributary of the Blackwater, the Own Targlin, mm. where we had over 3,000 um, dead uh, spawning fish. So, you know, it's, it's not the only one. Um, they're very unfortunate. We try our best to, to educate um, in terms of members of the, of the public, uh, the farming community and, you know, factory owners and so on about how to avoid uh, these situations occurring. Uh, but unfortunately, they still do. And if the members of the public do notice anything unusual, where can they go or do they contact anybody in particular? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. We, we've actually got a, a, a press release out today asking members of the public to keep an eye out for fish under distress mm. uh, during the current heat wave. Um, the, the high temperatures and the low water levels are causing a major risk for the fish um, in the rivers. So anyone who sees signs of fish in distress or they see signs of pollution or uh, illegal activity can contact our 24-hour hotline, which is 1890 34 7424 and that's a confidential number um, people don't have to give any any name or details uh, other than to provide us where the issue is Okay, brilliant. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on that, Sean. That number again, it's 1890 34 74 24. Back after this. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Rising Irish rockers and Haler have announced the Cork show coming up on Thursday, December 16th at Cypress Avenue. The band have also released their debut album, It Won't All be like this with tickets for the show on sale now. Access all areas. Orla Gartland has announced her debut album, Woman on the Internet, due for release on August 20th, and an Irish tour featuring a show at Cypress Avenue takes place on Saturday, December 18th. Tickets are on sale from the venue's website. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us here at AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona in for PJ uh, this week. And I've just spotted on Twitter, um, I was speaking to Jack Fitzgerald there about um, the, the, the the talk, that the online talk that um, they're hosting with regards to um, gender. And um, it's, it's for the launch of Cork Pride tomorrow. Um, and I see that Cork's um, Sparkle Band 
Cork have released their new song Long Way Home today after months of hard work and that's ahead of the launch of Cork Pride tomorrow as well so best of luck to them with that. Now um, from uh, that to bees, I'm, on the, I'm joined now by Irish Bee Conservation Project Officer Pat DC. Good morning Pat. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thanks for joining Good. us on the opinion line this morning, Pat. Now, Pat, um, a lot of there's been an awful lot of talk in recent years about bee conservation. So, what's your your project? Tell me a little bit about it. Uh, our project basically has been set up because of the plight of our bees, our, and especially our native bees, because they've been here for a long time. But I suppose um, the environment situation presently isn't helping bees and we just need to bring everybody on board, try and educate people in a nice way and explain to people as to what is actually happening out there. Climate change, farming and gardening, everything is having an effect, a long-term effect on the bees. So we're there trying to, I suppose, support the bee uh, family, you know, all the different bees that are out there. How much at risk are bee, the Irish bees? Um, how much at risk are they of endangerment? Uh, I would say if we keep going to where we are going, uh, it's huge. Because if you just look at the fields at the moment, the ditches are all tidied, the hedgerows are all tidied. Mm. There is no great clover in the fields anymore because the spreading of uh, nitrates is a, having a long-term, uh, having a knock-on effect on the growing of clover. And clover is one of the greatest um, crops for all um, bee species and other pollinators. So what can people do then to save the bees? What can we do in our own homes? Well, what I would recommend if people can do it, and we'll start in early spring, and that is let the dandelions grow. You can cut them when they're finished. Mm. Uh, And then after that, you have the clover in the grass. Let the clover go. You can still cut your grass at about two inches or 50 millimetres, and the clover will still be there. And that has a, a huge effect. The other thing I would say, and it's a simple uh, idea, is that if you can get a, a, some wildflower, native wildflowers, and sow a little patch. You know, and the patch always needs to be as a metre square. Right. And if, if you had 100 houses in the state, and they all had a metre in each house, that's a huge area. So your little small patch in your garden, and if a number of uh, other people do the same, you're now talking a large area which will will help the pollinators as such. And people also forget that pollinators contribute to the economy. It's so true pollination, they reckon that over 50, it adds over 50 million euro per year to the economy. And Pat, um are we already seeing that decline happen? Because I'm just even thinking of my own garden and there are bees there at the minute, but there just doesn't seem to be as many as there were last year. Uh, you're, it, last year was a very bad year for for bees and pollinators as such because the weather wasn't great last year. Mm. This year, the weather presently is great. So um, that helps the, uh, the survival and... Of the bees as such, you know. So, um, look, we just need to provide food and substance for the bees out there and for the other pollinators as well. Mm-hmm. Now, 
we're also rewilding some bees and we're providing habitat for them out there. We have um, we have uh, converted for the whole of Fort Island below now is a reserve, you could say, for all the bee species. So we have both honeybee lodges on trees and we have solitary bee lodges. And the simple thing actually people can do if they want to have solitary bees in their garden is in a sunny area to get a plank of timber or canes, but they need to be uh, at least five and a half to six inches or 150 millimetres in depth. And the diameter needs to be between 10 millimetres and six millimetres. And you'll get your little solitary bees going into those. And they're, they're, some of them are leaf cutter bees and they'd be going in at the moment. And they will go in, lay an egg, packs of pollen, lay another egg, packs of pollen, and they'll all hatch out then next year. And they'll seal up the entrance with a little bit of mud. Obviously, people don't really want to be going out cutting their grass in this heat. But um, does it protect the bees in the heat if the grass is kept long? Uh I no bees no no bees would be would, bees would be flying um no the the bees look after themselves really but if the grass is cut you're actually removing the food source right you know so that now tomorrow we have a workshop actually in Photo House and it's for um creating habitat for bees and it will be a very interesting workshop for families or anybody that are interested in finding out more as well that that starts at twelve thirty tomorrow okay and if anybody wants to find out about your Irish bee conservation project what where can they find out more information well they can go on to our website or facebook and it is um irish bee conservation dot i e or ibcp.ie will get it as well, you know. Okay. Um, there's also a Facebook page, or they can contact us at info at ibcp.ie. And we have a telephone number as well. It's 085-200-4562. And we welcome, we welcome people to get involved with us. This is a community project. We want the community to drive this. Brilliant. That's Pat DC from the Irish Bee Conservation Project. Thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM this morning. Now, there is a young Cork man involved in a new campaign to help people who are struggling with a stutter. And he's hoping to attract the attention of US President Joe Biden. Jamie Guggen has been telling me all about this campaign. Jamie Guggen, you um, are involved in a campaign to raise awareness of stammering, first of all. Just tell me a little bit about that campaign. So for the first time in Europe, there will be a campaign based around stuttering awareness and mental well-being combined. So this campaign will start officially on September the 15th and it is a 12-week campaign. Uh, We will be releasing interviews from individuals who stutter, parents of children who stutter, speech and language therapists, and from educators who deal with individuals who stutter. This campaign has now been officially launched by Dr. Keane O'Neill, who is the head of the Department of Sport, Leisure and Childhood Studies at MTU. And I suppose you're hoping that uh, US President Joe Biden will become aware of your campaign and maybe get involved in some way. 
That is one of our main goals for the campaign is to meet and interview President Joe Biden as who himself also has a stutter and a interview with a president who stutters is a once in a lifetime opportunity for us. Jamie, does it give people who have a stutter some kind of inspiration and hope when they see somebody like Joe Biden who has overcome his stutter and is able to address an entire nation of people now? Joe Biden is certainly one of my heroes and what he has managed to accomplish over his life dealing with the stress and anxiety that goes along with stuttering. It is truly amazing what he has managed to achieve and he's now the President of the United States. And I mean you yourself, um, you're sounding great I have to say. Um, How did you overcome your own stutter? So when I was inside CIT I was doing a presentation and that presentation was supposed to last five minutes but it lasted 18 minutes and I could not get out uh, my name or I couldn't present my my slides. Mm. So after that I went back home to my student accommodation and I locked myself away for three days and what I wanted to, to do was um, experience the same physical pain as the pain I had inside my mind which means I wanted to hurt myself. Right. Okay. But um, I remember I saw Michael O'Shea, who is the author of Why I Call My Sister Harry, and he was on the Late Late Show uh, with Gary Gates. And on, on, on the third day, I made that very important phone call and I reached out and I asked for help, which is certainly not an easy thing to do because asking for help, you're putting yourself into a very vulnerable situation. And what kind of advice would you give to anyone who is struggling with their own stutter? Is that the first thing is that you are not alone. Because I know from having and still have a stutter, growing up with it, you're very much isolated because you will never really meet another person that has uh, the same challenges of you. But with this, you are not alone. And that is why this campaign will be launched is to create a global awareness program. So I would happily speak with anyone who is anyway affected by stuttering or mental health and I can be contacted on jamie.googan at yahoo.com. Brilliant. Great stuff. It was Jamie Googan. Incredible stuff from him there. And if you are affected by a stutter, you can get in touch with Jamie and follow his campaign. And uh, you can also talk to your GP. Uh, or if it's affecting you mentally and you and you need to talk to somebody, you can always contact the Samaritans on 116-123 or Pieta House is 1800-247-247. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM.
Welcome back to the final hour of this Friday's opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. Fiona Corker in, in for PJ Coogan. Now, before the news and the ad break, I was speaking to, uh, I was speaking about bee conservation, and Gemma has been in touch via WhatsApp to say lavender and the butterfly bush are great plants to help bees. Ray has also been in touch via WhatsApp to say, where can I see badgers in Cork? Anyone know? Anybody have any answers to that? 1850 396 Now, um, I did say there before that if you haven't been able to get to Portugal but you're really, really missing out on the food to stay tuned. And joining me now on the line is Vania Gill. Good morning, Vania. Good morning, Vania. Okay, no, Vania is there, is she? Hello, Vania. Hi, hello, how are you, Fiona? Hi, how are you? How's it going? Vania, um, I think a big part of going on holidays for us is experiencing and tasting the different food that countries have. And I know that part of uh, my holiday joy of going to Portugal in particular is the food. And we're missing out on that now this year. So um, you're going to tell us a little bit about some of the food, the nice summer food that maybe we can even cook ourselves here. Yeah, there's definitely some dishes that can be replicated here with just our regular ingredients. Um, in summer, we go a lot for fish. Mm-hmm. So it would be the grilled fish and the charcoal, that would be the main thing in the, in the summer in Portugal. And most, most of the restaurants, what they do, they cut fish like lengthwise and they just put it on the charcoal and that's it. And then you accompany that with some salad salad and with mm. the roast peppers uh, cucumber and whatnot, and that normally suffices for your lunch because it's so warm and you don't really have um, the same appetite as you'd have in winter mm. uh, that would be one a good option uh, then uh, depending on the area that uh, people live and people go for holidays there is this uh, cold soup called the gazpacho and that's mm. uh, like um, it's similar to a salsa thing it's like a sliced tomato a sliced cucumber a handful of coriander, uh, lemon juice, and some olive oil, and uh, and that's your gazpacho. You can add some of the peppers as well. Mm. It's delicious, and it's so good in the summer. You can add a couple of ice cubes. It just makes it a bit more cold, um, and that will be the main things. Then, if you want to go just for a petisco, which is a Portuguese for tapas, mm-hmm. there is several options. So if you go, um, if you like to drink beer, the most mm-hmm. common thing to drink, to eat uh, while you drink beer, it's snails. I don't know if you ever tried. Um, but you have the version in France, uh, the escargot. But yeah. what we have in Portugal is completely different. They are just regular snails and they are boiled with oregano, some garlic, a bit of um, salt and pepper. And it's just delicious with your beer. And just as you mentioned beer there, um, I think a big part of your, your dining experience is a little aperitif and then a digestive. <laughs> yes, we start off as an aperitif. Uh, we'll say this is in a special occasions, obviously. We don't always do this. <laughs> <laughs> but we normally have uh, like a martini. Mm. We can have like uh, something light in a sense, just to open your appetite. That's what we, that's the excuse we give, I suppose. Uh, so you have your martino, your martini russo, not a uh, white one, uh, with a slice of lemon and some ice. Mm. And then after that, you have your meal. And according to your meal, you'd have either beer or 
white white wine or can have red wine if you're having some meat. Uh, but in the summer, it's more common the white wine because we drink white wine from the fridge and the red wine has to be room temperature. Yeah. Then after, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're okay. <laughs> then after that, I want to finish your meal. We have one or two glasses of wine. You have uh, digestive, something to help you to digest your food. So then we go for bagasse, which is like uh, the pro- the protein. I think that's how you say it here. Uh, yeah. The old farm people, I'd say, would know what I'm on about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the bagasse, or you can have a bit of brandy or muscatel, which is great, fresh. It's like from a special grape. And that's how you finish your meal and then an express afterwards just to kind of finish off. <laughs> and um, Fania, is there different cuisines for different areas? Because I know here in Cork, um, you know, the tripe and drachin is a very popular Cork dish and very much a Cork dish. And uh, then, you know, you go to Dublin, you might have coddle. Uh, you go up to where I'm from, up in Cavan, and boxy is a big deal up there. Is it the same in Portugal? It's pretty much the same, really. So up in the north, you have your big stews. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's and you roast that goat, uh, that's very f- famous. We call it chamfana, uh, and you have your roasted piglet. <clears throat> then around my area, you have the stone soup, which is literally made with a stone with a rock. Um, it's very famous. <clears throat> we have uh, uh, still up the north. You have feijoada, which mm-hmm. is basically beans with meat, and it's a very heavy dish with rice. It's for more for winter. Then back to my area, we'd have migas which is like a, a wet bread with garlic, and it's it's like a uh, side dish. And then down to the south, you'd have your octopus salad and uh, your fish egg salad, and uh, all kind of related to sea, we say, because Algarve is a big, there is the Mediterranean Sea, and then your, the Atlantic Ocean on the side, so it would be all the sea concentrated bits down there. And um, just finally then, talk to me about desserts in Portugal. Um, You know, obviously when it's hot here, we all love our ice creams and our 99s and stuff. But is it the same over there? We can have an ice cream. That's uh, that's a good choice all the time. But there is, uh, again, according to the area, lovely dishes, uh, lovely desserts, sorry, that you can have uh, after your meal. And one of them is like the camel drool. We call it camel drool. And it's basically just a caramel dessert with some almonds and it's really delicious in the summer because it's gooey and it's fresh and it's really enjoyable. Then you can have a bit of a coffee pudding. That's really typical from my area. And you'll have like a flan, basically a flan, but it's um, coffee, made with coffee. And it's, it's also very fresh and you eat it with cream, with cream. And it's lovely. Or you can have parofias, uh, which is um, basically egg whites whisked to the like to look like a cloud we'll say and then you eat that with some custard and it's uh, and a bit of cinnamon and it's just delicious as well in the summer they're very welcome Fania, it all just sounds so amazing. And I was supposed to go to Portugal last year. My holiday, unfortunately, was cancelled. Couldn't go this year. So I'm really, really hoping that I get back next year and that I can taste some of that lovely stuff at 1857 The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Arc Summer 80km Challenge is underway. You can take part on foot, in the sea, or on wheels. All you have to do is complete 80km anywhere. 
anywhere, in your own time and at your own pace and help raise vital funds for Cork Arc Support House. Entry fee is €20 and you have until July 31st to complete the challenge. You can find out more on their website corkcancersupport.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Courts 96 FM. We have the Taoiseach, Michal Martin, on the line. Good morning, Taoiseach. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM this morning. Now, Taoiseach, you are um, going down to the Peter McFerry project to launch um, a new strategic plan that they have there this morning. I am I'm just leaving the Crawford Art Gallery now because we've announced, uh, as you know, uh, the, the Crafton Architects or we announced that the architects, the main consultants in terms of the uh, extension uh, up to 29 million investment in the Crawford Gallery, which would be very significant for the gallery. And yeah, we're going to open the offices with uh, the Toronto Peter McVary Trust and also some social housing units that they've um, uh, built. Uh, and I think it illustrates the uh, plans and the impact that the Potomac Valley Trust is having nationally on our housing situation, particularly the homeless situation and the development of the housing first concept. Um, and they're now the largest provider of housing first units um, across the country. And they have exciting plans over the next five years, which I think will help the overall national effort um, to improve housing supply, to get more housing for people, both social housing, but also housing that people can afford to buy as well. Yeah, Taoiseach, obviously that is good news here in Cork, but, you know, is it enough to address the housing crisis? I mean, we hear time and time again, particularly here in Cork, of the amount of people who are on the social housing waiting list. Well, we need to do more, and we need to build more houses, and um, that is why there is an increased allocation to the City Council, to the County Council, in respect of social houses. There's increased allocations in terms of infrastructural works to enable areas to be made ready for house construction, uh, and a variety of affordable housing schemes have now been developed. Legislation has gone through the House, the Doyle, uh, only most recently in terms of the Land Development Agency, for example, which would have capacity to get houses built on state lands. Uh, and there's a whole-of-government approach being taken now in relation to the provision of housing. The COVID-19 has impacted on us this year. We probably lost about 5,000 houses in 2020 and a four to five this year because of the lockdowns. But the the agenda really is to get as many houses built as we possibly can through government authorities, through uh, approved housing bodies like the Father Peter McFerry Trust and Fluid and, and others. Uh, and it's all hands on deck in terms of getting more houses built to, to, to increase the availability of housing. And Taoiseach, there have been calls for a rent freeze because so many people are now in a situation where they're paying extortionate rents amount. They're trying to save for a mortgage. Any developments on that? Well, the minister has brought in legislation just before the dial where uh, rents cannot go on go up uh, beyond the inflation rate, uh, which is a, which is a significant improvement um, on, on the previous situation that applied. Now, a rent freeze just simply isn't constitutional um, for any length of time. Uh, one could do something during the emergency of COVID uh, when you had complete lockdowns, but uh, the, the legal advice is very, very clear: you cannot do a prolonged rent freeze. 
um, it would be um, against the constitution and it would be struck down if you even tried to do it. Uh, and that is a problem. But nonetheless, the minister's recent legislation uh, reduces significantly now the capacity to increase rents. And Taoiseach, obviously it's been great news for a lot of uh, premises around Cork and around the country that indoor dining can resume on Monday, but there have been accusations that it's creating a segregated society in that only the people who have been vaccinated can go inside. Um, what, like, How do you think that this whole thing has been handled? Well, I think it's the only way. I mean, the advice is, the public health advice is, is just that, to, to, to confine indoor dining to the vaccinated. Um, we have to achieve we have to achieve a balance between endeavouring to reopen parts of our economy and society and, and getting people back to work with public safety and protecting people from the Delta variant and from, from the COVID nineteen. We did open outdoor hospitality, which I think is, as far as it could, has been very effective, and I think people have availed of it. There's been a lot of creativity. You can see that yourself in the city centre here in Cork where many, many streets were transformed. Just at the Crawford, they have an outdoor dining area now, which they wouldn't have done before. Um, and I think that will change the future of, of hospitality in terms of the outdoor capacity we now have. Um, but, look, it's a difficult situation. We have to balance public health considerations uh, with the need to, you know, reopen society. And it's a difficult balance. Uh, but it's only done with a view to put the only motivation is to protect people's health. Do you think that it's put employers and, and business owners and staff into a difficult position in that they now feel that they have to police their own customers? And we were speaking to uh, a cafe owner here earlier on in the week of the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM who said he doesn't really want to be in a position where he has to ask his regulars every couple of days to show their, their certificate. Well, I think it, 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 there's an obligation on all of us as individuals, not just the the, um, the owners, but, but also on individuals to... to because this, this approach facilitates the reopening of indoor dining. That's the choice facing us. Mm. Uh, and we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So we're doing things in the middle of a global pandemic that ordinarily we would never com- contemplate uh, at all. So th- that's the context. It's a global pandemic, which has had a huge impact on our lives. It led to the loss of many lives. It's led to severe illness. We've had two very significant and damaging waves of, of, of the virus. That's the context in which we, we are operating and so it does demand from us, unfortunately, uh, an approach and efforts that ordinarily we wouldn't have to apply. And and that now is the situation in terms of the public health advice we have received in terms of facilitating the reopening of indoor dining uh, through the vaccination approach. We've also been getting numerous calls here across the week on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM from people who've been trying to get through to the Digital Cert helpline to no avail. Has that been a bit of a disaster? Well, you see, about 2.1 million vaccination certificates issued automatically through email, and, and, and so that was a great achievement in itself because that was a huge challenge, and people were vaccinated in different settings. And, and yes, the helpline was overwhelmed initially. They didn't anticipate the volume of calls, but there has been a dramatic increase in staffing now um, to try and facilitate. And we said to people, look, if you're not travelling, uh, uh, you know, some people apparently have been ringing whose travel journey is some time away yet, but that said... We do take on board the criticism. Uh, we've dramatically ramped up the number of personnel involved in the, the helplines, um, and that will ease the situation somewhat. And we want to deal with the calls on a priority basis, mm. emergency calls first in terms of people travelling next week or in the next couple of days. Um, I, I think that would be the priority. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, it's nothing to do with the staff, I suppose. Like, and it's important that we point out that the vaccination staff in the centres here in Cork and across the country have been doing an amazing job. And Absolutely. I mean, we have the fastest, uh, the last number of weeks, fastest vaccination program in the world now. It's uh, the highest uptake. It's been a very, very well run program, um, and it is giving us protection. And it will continue to give us protection. So it's a combination now in terms of dealing with the Delta variant of uh, continuing with the vaccination program uh, combined with personal behaviours uh, and how we you know, maintain the basics of social distancing, mask wearing, um, you know, right over congregation and just being careful. That's going to be key now in the next six to eight weeks to eight weeks. And I think I'd have to I'd have to head to follow. Okay, you're you're busy there. Listen, thank you very much for taking our call uh, here this morning. I know you're that, you're in a rush there to go to uh, your next appointment. Thank you very much. That was Taoiseach Michal Martin joining us here on the Opinion Line on Corks ninety six FM this morning. Eddie English from Sale Cork is joining me again on the line. Hello, Eddie. Hi there. Eddie, I'm so sorry that we had to cut you off there. <laughs> uh, no problem. I think uh, Michal has a, a bigger and more important job than I do. <laughs> it's not yeah. often that you get a call from the Taoiseach uh, while you're in the middle of interviewing somebody. So, uh, <laughs> so No Eddie, worries. You were, you were just about to tell us about what uh, kind of weather we have forecast for the weekend. Yeah, well, okay, as I said, it's, it's beginning to break down a little. There's a veil of cloud after coming in now over the south coast. And that could lead to some showers this afternoon. The one thing it's done is it's made it more comfortable because there's a nice cool breeze there mm. and it's brought the temperature down three or four degrees on yesterday. That breeze will stay there for most of the day, but it'll ease off tomorrow. And again, unfortunately, there's a possibility of showers tomorrow, but there'll be plenty of sunshine. And again, it's going to be very warm, as it will be on Sunday. Lighter winds on Sunday, but maybe some showers. And it's almost impossible to predict where those showers are going to be. Um, watching the TV forecast is the best place to, to start to see them. Mm. And then going into the start of next week, the high pressure will gradually break down and temperatures will go back down to more to the normal. And uh, we'll see some Atlantic weather, in other words, so westerly winds before the week is out. Will we have but rain next week? Uh, there, there, there will be times when there will be some rain, all right, yeah. But not like heavy downpours. Just maybe no, we're not, we're not going to see, no, we're not going to see anything like this in the con- on the continent. And uh, at this weekend, they could see some very heavy rain in the UK. But I think we're going to get away with that. Will we have um, thunder, Eddie? Uh, less likely. Again, in the UK, they are likely to have thunder. Okay. But um, hopefully, we'll get away with it. You know. Um, so you know, it's it's fantastic to have this weather. You know, but again, as I'm here, the one thing I'll say is stay safe. Mm. You know, when we're putting all the kids out sailing, we absolutely lather them in sun cream, make Mm -hmm. them wear hats, give them lots of water. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is be careful in the water. Now, when we have kids out, they're all wearing life jackets. So people who are going swimming, be familiar with the area you're going swimming and make sure that you've got friends with you. Unfortunately, there were a few droning tragedies over the last number of days in the inland lakes, which are much, much hotter than here, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I think we're going to have a pleasant weekend, um, but there is the risk of some showers. So is that the heat wave over with it then, yeah? (laughs) I think it is, but like it was an official heat wave, which is unusual uh, Mm. to to have that. You know, it means consistent... uh, temperature above I think is 25 for so many days and we did have that 
yeah. and it's been, it's been amazing. It's been fantastic, and it gives us. I think it'll give us enough energy to carry on and wait for the next wave later, later in the summer. You know, brilliant. Well, hopefully it will. Thank you very much for that, Eddie, and thanks for coming back to us on that. Now, yesterday I was speaking to Martin Condon, who was planting hash plants around the city as part of a campaign to legalise cannabis here, and he mentioned a Cork lady by the name of Alicia Marr who had to go to Spain to avail of medicinal cannabis over there and she's been joining she's been talking to me about how she's getting on over there I'm speaking now to Alicia Mar, 36 year old from Cork who's currently living in Spain just tell me why you had to move to Alicante 18 months ago so I moved to Alicante while I was waiting for my doctor and my pain specialist to get the ministerial license to treat my chronic pain with cannabis at the time I was buying it um illegally at home and sometimes the quality was just awful and we just didn't know how safe it was so we decided to move over here until they got the license and I'd be able to get it legally at home. And what kind of medication were you on before that? I was taking all sorts of pain medication. I was on 30 painkillers a day, a mixture of tramadol, amitriptyline, Lyrica and Plexia. I used to have to wear patches as well for the pain and have like procedures done every three to four months. And why, what's the, I, I know you said that you have chronic pain. What's your condition? So I didn't actually have a condition until I was 17. It was just a series of, it was really bad luck actually. I only went to hospital to have my tonsils removed and I had really bad complications afterwards. So both sides of my throat hemorrhaged and I had to have three surgeries on my throat and I was in hospital for a couple of months afterwards. But while I was in there, I started bleeding from the bowel. So they moved me from the South Infirmary over to the CUH um, to see the specialist over there for Crohn's and colitis. But while I was in there, I got toxic megacolon and my large intestine burst. So I had to go straight to theatre for emergency surgery and they took out my large intestine and I ended up with colostomy bag on my stomach. Now, that was supposed to be removed five years later. But when I did got, had the tests before the surgery, they found that I had precancerous cells in my rectum. So they weren't able to reverse the bag anymore and the bag became permanent. But after that surgery, then um, I got MRSA and it took years for for the wound to heal. And that's when the pain started. That was in 2006. And I've suffered from chronic pain ever since. And what kind of relief do you get from the medicinal cannabis that you weren't getting from all of the other medication that you were on? It's absolutely completely different. When I was taking the medication, I was just like a zombie. Like I... I couldn't even leave the house for months at a time. All I did was just lie on the couch. I used to get up and take 10 tablets straight away in the morning. And then within half an hour, I'd be asleep again. And then I'd wake again another four hours later, take another 10 tablets and fall asleep again. But when when the dose got really high and I was up to 30 tablets a day, the side effects were absolutely horrendous. Like it really affected my breathing and I had to be helped. My husband had to help me shower. I couldn't do anything for myself really. Um, But then when I switched to cannabis and I found that it worked, I decided to reduce the medication straight away. And now I don't take any pain medication at all. And I haven't had to go to the pain consultant for a single procedure since but it's completely different. I don't have any of the side effects that I used to have from the pharmaceutical medication. Um, I can actually exercise now and cycle and go swimming. And my coccyx bone is still broken, you know, the lowest bone in your back. Yeah. But 
the relief that the medical cannabis gives, it's absolutely unbelievable. And obviously, you know, that's been a completely life-changing experience for you. So why has it been so difficult to, to get it over here in Ireland? It's the cost. So I was very lucky that my GP and pain consultant were very supportive of me using cannabis. When they saw that it was working so effectively, um, they said straight away that they'd apply for the licence. So we moved over here in November 2019 and the licence was granted in May 2020. So we were supposed to move home then as soon as I got the license, but we were in lockdown in Spain. Hmm. So I said I'd sorted on the other end for when I got home and I contacted Bedrican to find out the cost of the medication. Um, and they said that it would be 2,500 every three months. So I said that was fine, but then I found out that it wasn't going to be covered on my medical card. Hmm. Um, and obviously you have a medical card, it's means tested, you have it for a reason, you know, um, because you can't afford the medication. But as soon as my prescription changed from opioids to cannabis they no longer covered it on the medical card and how easy is it to get it in spain much easier when we came here first i was getting it through the cannabis clubs which is great because they stocked a huge variety and i was just trying a different one every week to find which was the best for the pain um during lockdown then it was a different story because all the clubs actually closed for three months so i was put in touch with a clinic in madrid um, and they asked for my prescription from Ireland. And so I sent it up to them and they courier it down to me every month. And Alicia, obviously you've heard of Vera Toomey's situation this week. She was uh, she got a call from Health Minister Stephen Donnelly to say that they will be covering the or that the HSE will be covering the cost of the Bedrocon. Does that give you hope that you could possibly move back home and get your um, medicinal cannabis funded in the way that she is? Um, it was absolutely brilliant news for Vera after everything that she's actually been through. The issue is, so you can only get it refunded or paid for if you suffer from one of three conditions. So if you suffer from intractable epilepsy, spasticity due to MS or nausea and vomiting due to chemotherapy, you'll get it refunded. Right. But because I suffer from chronic pain, it's not one of the qualifying conditions, so they won't cover the cost at all, even though with Vera's news they're covering Bedrocan, my prescription is for Bedrocan too. It's just because I have a different condition, they won't cover the cost. Are you in a situation now where you feel like you have to stay in Spain in order to be able to get the medicinal cannabis and have a normal kind of lifestyle? Um, and, or, you know, I'm sure you probably want to come home, do you? Or, or do you prefer living over there now? No, I, I absolutely love, I love being over here, but we, we need to be able to come home. You know, mm. um, we're, we're both studying at the moment and it's impossible to do it from here. But the only way I'll be able to go home is if it's covered on the medical card or if chronic pain is added to one of the qualifying conditions on the uh, medical cannabis access programme, mm. which I've been told won't happen for a number of years, which is, I, I honestly don't know what we'll do then. So were you worried? Yeah. Mm. Not so much worried, I'm just you know, it's really sad being away from home, just knowing that you can't come back whenever you want to. And have you been in touch with any of the politicians? Have you tried to contact Stephen Donnelly, the health minister? I've actually been emailing him since he became the Minister for Health in June last year. I must have sent probably about over 30 emails now and I didn't receive a single response. Not one. So if anyone, if any politician is listening to this interview today, what would your message be to them? 
I would just like anybody to take it up and engage with me. Um, there's so many people in Ireland suffering from chronic pain and there's a huge reluctance on the on the consultants to prescribe and something needs to be done. Like it's it's just ridiculous. Even even just to fund chronic pain or add it to one of the qualifying conditions would be great. It must be very difficult to deal with something like chronic pain and then have all of this added stress on top of it. Yeah, it is. It is. It's stressful enough, all right. Like, I, I, I'd be thinking, what if anything happened at home and I needed to travel home really quickly or yeah. I just, I wouldn't be able to. And I actually contacted the International Narcotics Control Board and um, they're in charge of regulating like medical prescriptions um, in Europe. And I asked them, could I travel home with my prescription cannabis that I get in Spain? It's the exact same that I get in Ireland. And they said to me, you'd have to contact the Department of Health in Ireland. It would be up to them. And I contacted them and said, look, I'm getting my prescription here. It's the exact same as I would get in Ireland. Can I bring it home with me? And they said, no, absolutely not. So I was thinking that might be a way out of it, but I'm not even able to travel with it. Finally, then, like what? Um, I know that uh, we're easing restrictions and everything else like that here. What's life been like for you in, in Spain over the last uh, year and a half? Um, it was really tough at the start. Um, you know, everybody didn't know what was happening with the coronavirus. We had a very strict lockdown from the 13th of March. Um, you couldn't even leave the apartment to go shopping in pairs. You could only leave one person at a time to either go to the hospital, the pharmacy or the shop. You couldn't even exercise or anything for three months. So that was really stressful. Um, and then the airports all closed down and we knew that we couldn't go home and that again was added stress mm. but I think the most stressful part was at the beginning when all the cannabis clubs closed and I was absolutely freaking out because I didn't at the time have any way else to get it but I was just so lucky that I was put in touch with the clinic in Madrid um, and they're still they still con- continue to send me down my prescription every month which is brilliant Brilliant, brilliant Well listen Elisa thanks so much for taking our call on the opinion line on Cork's 96FM and that was Alicia Marr speaking to me from Alicante earlier. Now, we've all been, um, well, a lot of people have been really dying to get back into the theatres and uh, see some plays. And this weekend, the Everyman is swapping the theatre for the ancient walls of the Elizabeth Fort on Barrack Street. And joining me now on the line is Karen Underwood to tell me a little bit about it. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Fiona. Very well. How are you? <laughs> I am so happy that these restrictions, honey, are listening for me to be able to get back up on a stage, even if it's for fifty people. I'll take it. And, and so, and, just tell me, is it a you're you're going to be singing? What kind of a night is it? Well, take over the fort. You know, like the olden days. No, but at this time it's for music. Myself and John O'Brien, and we have a selection of our favorite songs that we picked, and you know, really. It's all about just getting back and, and, and just being grateful that, you know, so, um, so, um, um, that the Everyman has an outdoors program mm-hmm. and that uh, Sophie Motley, you know, this is her first proper, you know, setup with the, uh, with the Everyman and that it's something that's so innovative and thinking outside the box because with COVID, that's fine. That's what we have to do. We have to start thinking outside the box. And this program runs from tonight until August the 21st. And yourself and John are on tonight. Is that right? We're on tonight. And then we we hope to be closing the festival in, in late August as well. So I don't know if those tickets are on sale yet, but we, we're opening the festival and we're closing the festival. So it's just a privilege to be back after, you know, nearly two years. Not wow. with my people. 
You and know? are there any tickets left for tonight? Oh no, sorry, it's completely. <laughs> it's com- well, you know, it's completely sold out. I think it's fifty or a hundred people. So mm-hmm. tickets for anything are like gold dust. I mean, you know. So I mean, there's more more uh, coming up on the twenty second, and there's loads of programs um, at the outdoors festival with the Everyman, and and just big kudos to you know Sophie Motley for coming together and um, actually putting it together for for the Everyman. You know. I'd say like the excitement ahead of tonight is like before your first ever gig nearly, is it? <laughs> it's like, you know, me saying to the wife, go up in the attic and get all my long formal gowns and bring them downstairs. I don't know which one I'm going to want to wear. If I'm going to wear one, I wear one at all. <laughs> Honey, I still have naked tonight. And I'm so glad to be back on that stage, girl. I don't care what I'm in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's hot enough anyway. This is it. This is it, exactly. And um, it must have been so difficult not being able to get up and do what you love. I had a, yeah, it was, it was actually, uh, to be honest, you know, the, the side effects of COVID or the trickle-down effect from COVID, you know, we're not talking about musicians who could not actually work and the depression that came as a result. And I had loads of people in trouble on the phone to me, mm-hmm. on, on, sliding into my DMs on, on Facebook Messenger, just not knowing what to do with themselves. I mean, like, you know, being told to go get a job in the local centra to come off the pump, you know, just kind of carry on as if music is not And you know what? I'm a fan you Ah, we're losing your line there, Karen. <laughs> Pardon me? Oh, we were losing you there. Yeah, what were you saying? I was saying, I'm going to say it again, music is essential. We marry you and we bury you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and Karen, obviously there's only going to be 50 or 100 people watching this event yeah. tonight. Give us a little taster of what we can expect. <laughs> well, what you can expect is, uh, you know me, I'm full of emotion at the best of times. Now, <laughs> imagine me not seeing my family and friends for nearly two years, what it's going to feel like for me. You know, the bangs of gratitude will be immense. The intensity, the energy will be amazing. The atmosphere of Elizabeth Ford, so well, you know, selected by the Everyman as a, as a, as a venue, uh, as a space for thinking outside the box. I can't say it enough, you know. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be just, I think, you're going to be able to palpate the, the energy, the intensity in the room, the relationship, the love I have for John O'Brien, my best friend, to be out sharing a stage with a genius. I mean, come on. I'm just, I'm haunted. I suppose it gives other artists hope now to see that performances are coming back. Yeah. Now, you know, as I said before, if for, for some people, performances are coming back. But my concern are for like the Gary Bowsers of the world who are brilliant um, musicians um, and, and Jerome Remsons and people, musicians I've worked with over the years where the pub was their central nervous system. You know, it's where they, they worked. It's where they got their chops. It's where all the students in the School of Music, UCC uh, Music Department, this is where they get their chops in those pubs that are now shut down. And for some reason, we're not allowed to sing. Yeah, okay, so. Karen, I'm going to leave it there. The line is quite quite bad there. But listen, best of luck tonight and best of luck to everyone who's going to that. Enjoy. And um, to everybody else, thanks very much to, for listening to us here on the Opinion Nine and Corks 96 FM this week. I will be back next week. And thanks again to my team here, Fergal, Katie and Wayne Hilton. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. See you next week. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.